This is Afterbirth, the fourth and more postpartum support group brought to you by Preggers Can Be Choosers. In this podcast, we offer peer-to-peer support, not paid psychotherapy. We try to offer support and personal experiences over solutions. If you find yourself in need of more support, the Postpartum Support International or PSI Warm Line is 1-800-944-4773. You can also send a text message to 503-894-9453. English and Spanish options are available. If you'd like to join our conversation live, we meet every Tuesday at 11 a.m. Central Time. Need a reminder? You can sign up for text alerts at www.preggers.rock. Lastly, if you find this podcast helpful, please consider sponsoring this group for 99 cents a month. And don't forget to share this podcast with friends and family who may find it helpful too. You can find us wherever you get your podcasts. Hey everybody, this is Rowan with Preggers Can Be Choosers and this is the Afterbirth Fourth and More Trimester Support Group. If you're pregnant, we want you. If you're postpartum, we want you. If you're somewhere in between, we want you. We're always happy to have you. And uh, today I'm recording here from Marfa, Texas, and I'm going to probably put you, Maggie, as a co-host in case I drop out, okay, so that we share the Wi-Fi. And uh, life is good. Got in last night. It's uh, breezy and nice, and I love the desert, and I've already gone to the dog park and park and hit the grocery store, and now I'm sitting outside in the courtyard. I'll give you guys a tour. So there's, you know, like all these cool alcoves, and uh, my sister's doing something in the fire pit. There's a lady I don't know. Oh, okay. There's a fire pit, and then that's part of a hallway. So it's kind of like um, a gay Melrose place. That's a bomb shelter right there. See that right there? That's there's a bomb shelter underneath here that you can rent. Why? Uh, oh, because the, the place here, like if, the, if you don't live in the apartment full time, then it's uh, they're Airbnbs. So they. Oh, make- the bomb shelter is an Airbnb. Yeah. Which That's I sick. Or go into, but um, yeah. So it's just a real cool, cute place. I'll put a link in the show notes if we end up uh, using it. Anyway, here I'm at the Lincoln and Marfa, and it's awesome. Okay, so Mags, why don't you go next and then meet yourself, and then Sarita and Bev can go. Hello, I am Maggie, mother of two, and uh, meal prep prepping extraordinaire is my new title. <laughs> um, and that's all I've got right now. Hello, I'm Sarita. Um, I'm a mother of three now. Um, and I do home health care and I'm extremely exhausted. So that's that for right now. Hello, I'm Beverly, mother of four. Um, just started my new job a few weeks ago as a preschool teacher. And it's been... Um, exhausting and super crazy and not what I expected uh, and I'm I bring my youngest with me to work so she's in the daycare in a different room as me um, and she already got sick and came down with something starting on Friday had a fever has been super congested coughing um, so I took her to the doctor yesterday she has a double ear infection and um, we got a COVID test done today, which was not fun. Um, so we're waiting on the results. 
and I'm not sure when I will be able to return to work, but I'm currently still paying for the daycare while I'm not working. So basically I'm fucked uh, next paycheck. So that's what's going on over here. So do you get like a hookup rate for taking your kid because you work there or no? It is a 50% discount, um, but it's still, you know, it's a lot of money. So uh, paying 125 a week and I'm currently making $10 an hour as a lead teacher. Um, so yeah, I got hired. Usually you don't get hired as a lead teacher right away. You start off as an assistant. And um, but so they're basically paying me for my experience, but putting me in a situation where um, I have to figure a lot of things out on my own. I wasn't properly trained and I have a very difficult classroom that I'm dealing with. They told me when I got hired that this was, um, they couldn't get control of this class basically and that they need really strong teachers in there and to figure it out. And so they hired me knowing that I don't have experience in a center um, and then barely trained me. So I'm just in a really awful situation to be honest. And um, the fact that my kid is already sick from, I'm assuming from being in daycare because that's pretty much our only exposure to the outside world. Um, yeah, it's making me rethink some things that I really don't wanna have to leave my job because um, my only other option at this point is to run a daycare in my house. And I'm not sure if I, if I would wanna do that, so. What age are these kids? They are three years old, three to four. The and there's, yes, there, there's 15 of them and they are, there's actually at least a few of them. I, I am without a doubt, there's at least a few of them that are very developmentally challenged and at least have ADHD, maybe autism. And they are apparently not diagnosed because I have never been told anything about it. And um, I'm left to deal with you know, that and which in a normal case, if they were diagnosed with something, it would change the ratio of teacher to students. Um, but I'm still left at a normal ratio for normal kids, which is not the case. So I'm dealing with just a lot of shit right now. And it's like, I'm not getting paid enough for this. Um, but I don't have, you know, I'm not, I don't have the privilege right now to go and say, hey, if you don't give me a raise, I'm going to quit because I, I just don't have that option. Unless I want to, like I said, start my own daycare in my house. I'm loving Sarita's face as you're going through all this. This is what I love about my Sarita. Marita, she's like, her face is like, for the people who are listening later, can you tell them what you're thinking? Because it's all of your face, Sarita. First of all, that's a bunch of bullshit. <laughs> That's all I can say. Like, that's a bunch of bullshit. I go off on them people because, no. Mm -mm. You don't do that to nobody. Like, especially nobody. First of all, the first mess up. Thank y'all. I'm sorry, my kids. Here. Go take it to the table. All right. All right, here, Pop. Go take it to the table. 
Goodbye. No, I don't want to hear you, babe. Go to the table. Sorry, y'all. But um, first of all, they didn't properly train you. That's the first mess up. The, and then expect you to do the job right. Then they got you in a class or a uh, horrible that see they knew what they was doing. They didn't want to tell you what was going on because they knew you wasn't gonna want to work for them or request more money. I hate people like that. And whew, that's just mm. do you is it an option to um after you have your experience there go to a different school and say, look, I've done this and I'm you know like work six months in a horrible situation and you know like these are the things I implemented but I'm looking for better or something like that you know I guess I'm just thinking how can we make this as a, as a launching pad you know because I know that sometimes there are times I'm like if I can do this for like five you know months or three months or five years or whatever like you know what are my long-term objectives with it and how can I use that to leverage this experience to leverage something better for myself in the future my question yes. is is it a daycare or is it a school um I've heard, I've heard it called both like, like during my training, they were like, this is not just a daycare, it's a preschool and you need to treat it as such. Um, so it's a, so it's a yeah, that's what. Yeah. Um, hey, y'all, we're going to take a quick break and then we're going to get right back to it. Getting back to our real talk after birth style. I mean, yeah, there's a lot of, I'm responsible for curriculum. I do have to go through and set up curriculum for the, like, I have to make sure that curriculum is set up for the next couple weeks so that we have a plan in place. I'm responsible for making sure that they're learning what they're supposed to be learning. Um, I ha I'm supposed to have two assistant teachers, but my first um, assistant teacher quit after like two days in the classroom and so now there's one left and we're both like um basically we have to like promise each other after every single day like when i leave she's like you're coming back tomorrow right i'm like yes are you coming back tomorrow and she's like yes and i'm like okay and so we're trying like we we're already telling each other like i'm gonna stick with this like please don't leave me and because i really can't imagine um if she were to leave I would be totally fucked and um but yeah Rowan that's what I would that's what I've been thinking is I need to just stay where I'm at even if I'm getting you know not getting paid what I should be I need this experience and if I go somewhere else I'm just going to start off as an assistant teacher and I know that like the situation that I'm in is very stressful but I at least am going to have that be able to go somewhere else and say hey I was a lead teacher here um and this is what all I learned from it so I'm gonna I'm holding on like as long as I can do you have a goal like okay I'm gonna make it till Valentine's Day or I'm gonna make it till the end of the semester or like what do you have if you have a goal we can like clap and cheer and help you Okay, so as of right now, my goal is to make it till the end of 2020, because that's what, you know, like, I'm not going to um, put myself in a situation where my mental health is going to start declining. And, you know, all that, like, if I can make it till the end of 2020, 
and really like evaluate what's going on and think, can I make it another month? Then I will make it another month. But for now, I want to make it till, you know, the end of December. That sounds good. That sounds good. Snaps for you, Bev, for like figuring something out. Okay. Yeah. Well, what else we got on our mind? Rita? Where's the school located? It's in Katy. It's really close to me. Um, it's like a 10 or 15 minute drive for me. I have something. Um, not to jump on changing subjects. So my grandmother, I was telling you on the other night um, that my grandmother had surgery and her and I don't get along, but she lives across the street from me and like her sister came and everyone's going over there and not wearing masks and I've been fucking freaking out about it. So every time I go over when she asks me to come, I wear a mask. I don't take it off. I'm like standing away from my family members but so um she isn't supposed to be sitting up she's supposed to be laying down and then she's supposed to be getting up because they fused a bunch of her vertebrae back together and then the discs to the vertebrae um but so she is supposed to be getting up and like doing these breathing exercises and then laying down and so the other day, you know, like I'm getting, I'm going over there, I'm giving her the horse bath, I'm changing her underwear, I'm, you know, wiping her butt when she pooped, you know, I, I guess I have the, the most best experience right now because I have an infant to, to do all these things with as well. Um, but so yesterday, get a text, hey, we've got to take grandma out of the hospital, she's having trouble breathing. So I, I, I should have said something. And she was saying to me like the day before when I was in the room with her alone, Maggie, can you ask the nurse why the bagel keeps getting stuck in my teeth right here? And I'm going, yeah, okay. I didn't even think about like, what, what fucking nurse are you talking about? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like maybe you're just all, you know, loopy from your drugs. You just got home, but um, no, she wasn't getting enough oxygen because she was too out of it on the Oxycontin that they had given her, that her body was like slowing down and shutting down. So she wasn't breathing enough. So she wasn't getting enough oxygen. So she kept hallucinating. She kept asking everybody, well, who's sitting in that chair right there? It was a pile of blankets. And so she's home now, but everyone yesterday panicked. And everyone started crying. And I get there and I'm like, oh my God, why is everyone crying? <laughs> Calm down. Go have a glass of water. I'll get her dressed. So I got her dressed. And then after I got her dressed, um, I was like, okay, so who's, you know, has anyone called 911 yet? Because her doctor was the one who said, take her to the emergency room. So as soon as I said, who's called 911, everyone started crying again. I was like, what's going on with these people? Um, but did I go out? I said, well, what is it? What is going on with these people? And so, um, eventually, um, I just like delegated, okay, you get her, her paperwork together. You pack her bag and 
gave everybody a job to do. And then I called 911, but I didn't, I don't know how old my grandmother is because we don't get along. I don't pretend to know or have any sort of relationship with her. And so it was like, I was like, oh yeah, you want me to do this? So I called 911 and I'm like calm. And as soon as I like start talking to the woman, my aunt who's sitting across from me just starts drastically freaking out. I'm like, oh my, like it was just like, and afterwards it was weird because like I handled everything really well, I thought, but everybody's anxiety and energy, maybe just because I'm empathetic sometimes, like I just felt like it was on my chest and I was like, I'm going to go outside, like get away from you guys for a few minutes. I walked home, I got my cell phone, I waited for the ambulance to leave because she wasn't in any immediate danger. Um, so, you know, they, they don't usually take the ambulance off until they've got the vitals or something. But, um, yeah, it was like afterwards, I just felt like kind of like angry at all of them for being like that. And I was like, I need to somehow like put myself in check of like, their feelings aren't mine. And it's okay that they have those, but like, maybe because I'm a cold bitch. I don't know. I was just like why are you fucking crying? Like, get your shit together. <laughs> so that's, that's been my exciting month thing this month, which I think I'm good for the next couple of months. You know, I spend a lot of time like meditating and trying to like be the calmest person in the room and also equanimity, right? Like if somebody's saying something to me, that's totally like fucked up. I just want to be chill and and you know kindly responsive but not reactive so maybe that was a moment where you just had that like internal stillness where like you um oh Brene Brown just did this thing with Dolly Parton and Dolly Parton said that she always tries to be super calm like just people think she's super outgoing and stuff but she's not she you know she'll put on a show if she has to but she's always super calm and chill and like you know just a calm locus of control and I think that's really important and I think maybe that's what that was everybody was you know, getting caught up in their emotions as opposed to just being in a calm locus of control, like really being aware of what you can and cannot do and just, you know, handling stuff without getting swept away, like noticing your emotions, but not like getting swept away by them. I think that was really powerful and cool. And then later you notice you had to do a little energetic cleanup and you did it. Perfect. Perfect. I had this experience where, um, you know, working in birth, sometimes there's like shenanigans and um, I had to transfer somebody not too long ago and I was really sad about it. And the um, parent of the person who was laboring really didn't like me at all. And I was talking about transfer options and she like started like really getting wound up and telling me that I was racist and like just kind of, you know, a terrible person. And like, <laughs> I was like, okay, this is, you know, cause one of the things I challenge myself is for equanimity to be calm, right? And and also they talk about this in 12 steps that you don't get calm or you don't develop parts of yourself by not having challenges. Oh, the train's coming by. It might be too loud. So I knew that like when she was like, she was pretty pissed um, that when she was saying that I was racist, which is something that I really work hard to not ever be. And when somebody says that to me, I want to take it serious in case there's something I really need to learn from there, you know, not just be like, oh no, I'm, you know, like really learn. And so in that moment I could tell, okay, I'm, I'm going to be calm. And then later, like it really shook me up though later, right? I was like, oh my God, you know, like really trying to evaluate that strongly. 
So maybe that's the same thing, you know, like as we grow ourselves and, and work on our being still and seeing people where they're at and um, but also growing ourselves, maybe that was that experience for you, like having to go in and being the only person who's calm in an area where there's, you're surrounded by people who don't believe like you do and don't behave in a way that promotes health like you think. And then you're called in to like save the day when shit's going south or that's their perception, right? And then yet you were calm anyway and then you did some energetic hygiene later which is perfect. So I think that's a win. And, you know, one thing I think about is those, you know, those breathing things where you breathe in or exhale or whatever, those things that they cost like, you know, 50 cents to, and they give them to everybody after they've had surgery. Those things, the lung, I, they're, I forget what they're called. You can see them all the time at thrift stores. Those things are gold. Whenever my dad has surgery, I'm like, I call it his huffer. I'm like, dad, we got to huff every like 30 minutes. I make him huff. And so those things are gold. So anybody who doesn't take those seriously, even pre-COVID, if you're listening to this later, use those things. If you're given that, do it every 30 minutes and really take care of your lungs because that's, you know, if we're not perfusing oxygen through our bodies, we're dead. That's it. End of story, you know. You have to have blood moving through your body and oxygen moving through your body and everything else we can kind of recover from, even low blood sugar, but no air, no blood, it's over. So I think you did great, Maggie. That's exactly what she wasn't doing. She wasn't using that. It's like the tube with the, the measured thing. Yeah, and you like kind of into it, yeah. Yeah, yeah, no, she, that's exactly what she wasn't doing. She was just kind of like, uh -huh. no, I don't, need to, I don't need to do that. I'm like, bitch, you sit on your couch all day. You need to do this the most, like out of everyone. Somebody's being nosy right now. Hi. Well, and let's talk our way through it. You know, so the lobe, the, there's three lobes on one lung, and then there's, shh, shh, shh. and I forget exactly one has but when you bring it all the way in to the bottom of those lungs, that lets, um, you know, the airflow exchange there so that like when you're having um, like mucus and, you know, just lung snot essentially, like it's not growing pathogenic bacteria because it's getting good perfusion, good lung exchange, you're expanding it, you know, and you, when you're doing that, you're pulling your diaphragm down essentially. So you're, when your diaphragm moves down in your abdominal cavity, it opens up your lung airway space. And that's what we're working on is diaphragm health. And for those of us who are listening now, um, I think they're important even when you have a surgical birth or a vaginal birth, if you can get a hold of one of those, because the diaphragm and the pelvic floor have a symbiotic relationship. So sometimes when I'm working on really tight pelvic floors, I'll see people have really tight diaphragms also. Like in breech birth, you know, sometimes I'll see a really tight diaphragm and that's what keep, keeps a baby persistently breech. So I think using one of those anytime we can, you know, and like get kids to play around with them. Like we got to clean the mouthpiece a little bit better now, but like get your kids to play around with them so they're not afraid of them. And it's kind of fun to measure how much air you can pull in your lungs and stuff like that. But those things are gold and people do undervalue them because, and you have to do something. Somebody's not doing something to you, right? So have, you're having to be accountable for your own behavior. It's not something like a pill you're popping. It's like you're growing, it's like fitness, you know? It's lung fitness, people, your diaphragm fitness. So anyway, yeah, those things are undervalued and um, definitely if you don't use them, that's like a one-way trip to, you know, lack of lung health. But, and you know, my dad, he undervalued it too, even though he's like really big on fitness and stuff. I was like, so I just made a chart and I was like, dad, we got to do this every 30 minutes and really get after it. And then he took it more seriously. But anyway, I've had surgery before and had to do them. They're not great, but you know, they don't kill you. Like whatever, it takes like 30 seconds to do every half, every half an hour. Well, let's talk a little bit more about energetic hygiene. Um, I was in Bucky's yesterday. I was driving out here to Marfa. I'm a Marfa right now, Max. And um, 
everybody's wearing a mask except this one like dick swinging guy you know like comes in and he's like this big like i'm such a tough guy walking around and i was like what an asshole but that's another opportunity for me to like approach equanimity right like where i can really um why would somebody not wear a mask right one they don't believe in science or whatever or they just want to die i don't know or they don't you know I think basically comes down to fear. Like you're looking at a, a dog that's fixing to bite you. So if you just act tough, then maybe you won't get bit, which doesn't really work with germs and germ theory. But I think that's the whole premise of most of this, right? So I was looking inside myself to like meet someone in the middle a little bit more on when they do that instead of my knee jerk reaction of like, what a dick, just be like, okay, so you're really afraid. And is there something that I could say? You know, because he looks at me like all challenged, you know, and here's for those who are listening later, like I'm a big woman, like I'm over six feet tall and there's a lot to me and, you know, I just don't take a lot of shit. So, um, but also back to that being calmest person in the room and I'm not the calmest person in the room if I'm reacting to somebody who's not wearing a mask so that they can show how tough they are, right? So I've been kind of thinking about like, what phrase do I want to say when they make eye contact with me? Like, oh yeah, you're really sprayed. It's okay. You know, <laughs> something kind of kind, but at the same time, you know, and there's an ulterior motive to saying that. So if you guys have any thoughts, I'm happy to hear it. Or if there's something else you want to talk about, I'm always happy to talk. I've been also trying to think of something to say to people who when I see them like not wearing masks, but usually it's when I'm driving and like, I just want to be like, like, put on a goddamn mask out my window. Um, Cause I don't really socialize with anyone, but it's, uh, I, if I come up with something Rowan to, to say to people who aren't wearing masks, I'll share it with you. But as of right now, I've been also just trying to figure out like, what can you say without like starting an argument? I almost thought, like, because I carry extra masks in my car, like, oh, here, I see you don't have one. Here, let me give you one just in case you forgot yours. Or, you know, like, hey, this might be helpful and just hand it to them in, like, a little bag <laughs> and then turn around and walk away, run away <laughs> or something. But I don't want it to come off passive aggressive either because I don't want to be passive aggressive about it. I just want to be like, yeah, sorry, you're stupid. <laughs> <laughs> trying to lead with compassion right because being angry you know doesn't help anybody it doesn't navigate a situation i'm just really trying to step up and you know it's hard right like i saw this tweet that said you know it's like half of America. it's like if, if you went to a dinner party with five friends and two friends said you know we want to order pizza and three friends said we want to um you know, kill you and eat you, you know, it's kind of like, oh, but that's kind of how I feel for folks who, um, who um, voted differently than me, you know, that whole idea that voting for somebody who, and I'm sliding into politics here, but, you know, like I'm gay all day long, and I'm, you know, showing up for people who I feel are marginalized, and so, you know, like that's my life, I do that, so when people vote in a way that infringes on my rights, and who, um, you know, it's just really hard. And I don't, I don't think it's a difference of opinion. I think it's that you don't value me. And uh, so it's hard to take, not take that personally. But remember, um, I don't know if you guys heard the four agreements before by Don Miguel Ruiz. Um, so Rita, this is what they are. The, um, the first one is don't take anything personally, right? And the next one is always do your best. And then the third is uh, be impeccable with your word. And then 
What's the fourth one? Does anybody remember? Always do your best. Impeccable with your word. Don't take anything personally. There's a fourth one that's super good. And so that not taking things personally, like even if somebody's being a right out dick to you, right? We can still not take that personally because I'm just like showed up here on the scene five minutes ago. So if you're that upset at me, like what's really going on behind that? Right. So like that lady who was like pissed at me saying that I was racist, you know, like what was really going on behind the scene there that she didn't feel good about the birthing situation and she had other, you know, stuff. She was telling me like, you know, everybody and her family never could have vaginal births and that they only have C-sections and they don't dilate and all this stuff. And she's like, you know, just like laying her trip on the whole birth. Right. And so when I was like saying, okay, I think we need to go or whatever, it like just brought up all these things. And because I'd brought up racism, institutional racism, like that was an easy thing for her to launch on me. Right. But here I am a white provider for, you know, a black individual. And so I was just the, the, tip of the iceberg on that right so like let me not take this personally let me grow let me self-reflect but let me also not like react and take this personally so anyway i'm just thinking about how to uh not take things personally um when people do things that jeopardize my health right but how do i come at it like with a kind open-hearted and uh where we're working together as a fabric of our society as opposed to pulling at each other's at the seams so and, you know, to be honest, like being here in Marfa, like that's part of my energetic hygiene to like have the wind blowing over me and, the, um, you know, the fresh air and I'm sitting in this nice courtyard and there's a couple people walking by, but they're really far away and it's breezy. So it's just not a big deal here. I guess I went on a monologue there. Sorry. Totally fine. I just, Sarita, let me see your baby. <laughs> let me see her. It's a girl, right? Yes. Yes, and we're trying to smile. Adam. Hi. Hi, sweet girl. What's her name? Autumn. Autumn. She's got and the she hiccups. So beautiful. Thank you. She has the same birthday as Bev, right? Mm-hmm. So your birthday you. was a couple years. She's only a few weeks old, right? Yes, she is five weeks. And she has gained so much weight. She is nine pounds, seven ounces. And she was born at seven, four. Get it. Congratulations. I haven't been on in a couple of weeks. So I'm missed, missed out. But congratulations. She's beautiful. Thank you. <laughs> Tell them when you went back to work, Rita. I went back a week later. I know I didn't spend no what the postpartum hell? <laughs> <laughs> I didn't spend no postpartum time, but I need the money. I'm falling behind on bills and due to COVID and all of that. Like it's too much. <laughs> it's too much. So I, I just was like, you know what? I can bring my baby with me to work. So that's a plus. Um, I do home health care, so I take care of a guy. He's a quadriplegic. So I go in and he's happy to see the baby and stuff. So I go in, I take care of her a little bit, get her calm, then take care of him. And then next thing you know, you hear her crying. So I got to stop. I'm like, hold on. You know, then get her calm again and then go back to take care of him and so forth. She wanted to go back to work on Monday. She had the baby on a Friday and I had to hold her back from Monday. Remember that? I was like, you are not going to work on Monday. Forget it. Had to put my midwife foot down. 
Yes, I, I was really hoping I'm going back, like, because, you know, you have to wait your full, like, at least 24 hours. I was like, well, I'll go back on Monday. And she was like, no, no, the hell, you're not going back on on Monday. 100% true. You should have seen my face. I had a patient who um, her job said they wanted her to go back at three days postpartum. And I was like, no way no way and they didn't want to go let her pee and I was like no so she's getting all these UTIs and stuff I was like get them on the phone you know like I'm not having that so uh after that they fired her so I was like, oh my god I can still barely walk at three days like I'm not even exaggerating that's crazy yeah fired her. what was the question Mita they fired her yeah, they fired her. And she better collect the unemployment check because they got her messed up. Yeah, yeah. She's a real neat lady, so she figured it out pretty quick. But um, but she just ever hadn't, you know, here's the thing about where I work that um, a lot of times people aren't used to having folks advocate for them or um, take their health seriously. And I'm like, so, and like, I really got like super pissed about it too. And I try and, you know, back to that equanimity, right? Like be really chill and calm about it. But I was like, they're not going to fucking do that. And then I was like, I need to calm down. Taylor Swift is right. Okay. I'm not being a therapeutic provider right now. And she goes, oh, you're really mad. I was like, yes, yes, I am. And it was the first time I'd met her. And, you know, like, I didn't want to come across as a big, you know, wackadoo, but like, I just, I'm not, I'm not here for that. So Anyway, well, Rita, how did you even get that job as being a care provider? Because that sounds good, like being able to take your baby and be a care provider. Like, that's cool. Okay, so this happened. I I met the guy a while back. I was seeing this one guy. I think Cassidy was only a year. She had just made a year. And I was seeing this one guy after me and her dad split up. And he took me by over there because he's always over there. And the guy was just like, hey, you want a job? You know, I need another attendant and whatnot. So I started working with him a few years ago. I stopped working with him because he would flirt with me and I wouldn't flirt back and he fired me randomly. <laughs> but he, uh, when he hired me back the second time, he knew that that shit wasn't going to fly because, I, you know, you're not about to do that. And he he knew I was a damn good provider for him. So he was just like, you know, I'm sorry about how things went. You know, you're a really great provider. You know, if you would really consider it, I would like to hire you back. And whenever this was going on, I was, um, I want to say like three or four months pregnant with Autumn, if not a little further along. And I was like, you know what? I need that kind of job because working at this hospital and then wanting me to go in these COVID rooms to clean these rooms was not have uh, mm -mm. that's not good for me or my baby at the time so so I was just like you know what there's a sign I need to be back working for him and you know I could bring my baby with me I don't have to spend all the money on daycare and all of that so it has its plus did you get trained as a CNA somewhere or you just like had enough experience or how did that happen? I didn't have any experience. <laughs> so we just was like, you know, it's not a hard thing to do. And being that he would, he, his is a private, I didn't have to have all of the um, license or anything. 
but I do have uh, other experience in the field. I used to work at a, um, not a nursing home, a system living home a couple years back, I wanna say in 2015. So I had a lot of experience in that department, but not really more on one-on-one health. If I was a home birth midwife, I'd 100% want you on my home birth midwifery team. Because when you're like a home birth midwife, you like um, roll in with uh, like typically somebody else who has a license and then like an assistant and you'd be a great assistant. Like I just really, there's a lot, it's good there. But I'm a birth center midwife, so here we are. That's just how I do my best work. That's okay. Well, Max, why don't you tell us about meal prep and any hot tips on that? Because meal prepping in general is the biz. It's going really well. Um, I have two people that are on keto diet and then two people that aren't. And the kind of bonus thing about it is like, depending on a few of the recipes I have like down, perfect down to like the portion sizes and there's no extra, but some of them it's like nice to have like a little extra and then I eat it for lunch. <laughs> um, I don't know what to say about it. It's, I love cooking. So it's been nice to like, just cook every day. And literally that's what I do from like, I get up, I take Ronan to school. He's going to a, um, like a three hours a day. It's a nature school. They just play outside. It's awesome. He loves it. And um, sometimes, some days I do yoga and some days I'm um, just cooking from like the moment I wake up. Like this morning, <laughs> all before 8 a.m., I made some cannabis butter. I made some, I made two big things for Thanksgiving of scalloped potatoes. I made, um, do you know, I don't know, there's this Indian dish called Begam Bartha. It's like this really good eggplant dish. Well, I did it with the same method and seasonings, but with um, butternut squash. I did, uh, I don't know. So, but I, I guess the best tip I can give anybody is prepare everything ahead of time. If you have to chop an onion and saute it for four to five minutes, don't take that four to five minutes to grate your garlic or chop your garlic. Have it all done. That way you're not rushing and you're not able to burn any, burn anything. And like if your spices, read your recipe. If you have three spices going in at one time and two spices going in at the other time, measure, pre-measure them out and put them in a little bowl or something. Put them on a napkin. Just dump it in. Like whatever you have useful, just pre do the do the prep work is <laughs> what it is. It's all prep work. Bev wants to know how you got started on that. How did you, and I also want to know like your delivery, like some of the practical parts. Okay. Um, I've always been in cooking, like always working in a kitchen or bakery or not always, but like that's always been kind of like my, when I get burnt out working a nine to five, I always go back to the kitchen. If I'm not working in a kitchen, I'm working in my kitchen. Um, 
whether it's like, oh, hey, Maggie, I really wanted, you know, a batch of your whatever, your cookies or something. Like, I have friends all the time asking me to cook for them. So um, I just, like, my brother actually came to me and was like, hey, so now that you live here, are you going to cook for me all the time? And I was like, yeah, are you going to pay me? He was like, yeah, how much do you want? And that was it. And then his roommates jumped on board. And then my uncle who lives down the street was like, oh, I heard you're doing meal prepping for your brother. Like, could you do keto? And I was like, yeah. And, and he was like, well, how much do you want? <laughs> it was just kind of like fell into place. And so that's kind of how it felt all came together here. I was using plastic containers. Like, you know, if you go to like a, like a literally a meals to go place, um, and those kind of t- containers, I was using those cause you're able to recycle them and technically you're able to reuse them, but they don't, um, look so like my brother freezes the meals and pulls them out as he wants. And they're just not good for that. Um, so I told everyone, I said, okay, cool. If you want to use those, that's fine. But you know, you're in charge of washing them and returning them to me. Oh no. And then, um, Actually, Costco just had really, really nice meal size, re- like, glass containers. Um, so I told everyone, you need at least three boxes. There are five in each box. Everyone, because I do breakfast, lunch, and dinner five days a week. Um, and I was just kind of like, you would need five, three boxes minimum. Um and that was that it was like okay yeah cool we'll we'll get them and some people were like cool some some of my like my uncle for example was like cool how much is it with tax so I had to go and do the math on my phone and he was like just buy them and he zelled me right then and there um so that that was always an option because I was right there which was also really nice because then I got to wash them the first time like make sure they you know not just dropped off um so it, it's just kind of fallen fallen together and then I have a friend um because um marijuana uh recreationally is uh decriminalized in DC um I have a, a few friends who are like getting into that market so I'm gonna dabble with making a couple things and giving it to them and seeing what they can do with it and then going from there and maybe that can be a thing also where I'm like making edibles and by that point, I'll have to get a, a space at a commercial kitchen, which I've already been looking for. Um, and that would be that that would be the dream, the dream gig, you know, oh, you need me to make edibles to like, you know, we need five dozen cookies or we need mashed potatoes that are this dosage. Like the math part is pretty simple. Um especially if you know what the quality of stuff you're getting is. So it's, he's so nosy. (laughs) Um, But yeah, that's, that's, that's how it's been going. And I don't know, did I answer all the questions? (laughs) Do you ever see that show Bong Appetit? Did you guys watch? Oh yeah. That was like gold seeing all the different ways. Cause I'd made some edibles for a while. We had this hello (laughs) 
waffle maker. So I'd make these like lemon zest, um, like little micro cookies in the Hello Kitty waffle maker. They made little, you know, so you just put the stuff in there and then, you know, and it was really easy and it was uniform and you could sell, you know, per kitty or whatever. Um, so that's how I did it. That was like 10 years ago. I was making those and stuff because um, I had some clients who paid me in weed and I just never used it. So when I was moving, I ended up like having a whole shoebox full of weed that I never <laughs> like just was, like threw it in there. I was like, I got to do something. So I cooked it down and made some stuff. And that's, it was a short lived venture when the product was over, it was over. But um, that's what I did to make things uniform, you know, so that way like it was consistent. So do the people return the canisters clean to you or do you have to wash them or what? How do you do that? Yeah, um, everyone just returns it clean. Um, so, like for my brother, because he is, he works really long days and he's just like always exhausted and he's kind of a space cadet. Um, I go and I pick him up. So when I'm there, I just grab his roommates and then um, they're already clean. I just, I just go and pick him up. And then, you know, if he isn't at my house by Tuesday to pick up his food, I take it over there because... I don't have space. My house is 900 square feet and there's four people living here and two other adults that come twice a week. So it's like, I don't have refrigerator space for 30 plus, 45 plus glass containers. So it's just like, I drop, I'll drop them off or pick them up. It's just, it's an open communication. So that that's also kind of a nice little um perk right now because i know eventually it'll be like cool i have i'll have to drop things off but i can just throw a tag in the backpack while i'm cooking which has been nice and we got him one of those uh walkers off craigslist and so he's been really chill putting him in that and like i filled a ziploc bag of paint and, like let him like do that throw all the teething toys up there and when he's ready to be out of it, I'm usually ready to take a break. So timing-wise, it's been been pretty good. And if I'm not ready for a big break, I just yell at Michael to come help me. <laughs> so, yeah. I think that you should um, have it so where the people who are getting the meal prepping things from you like um actually purchase their own so they don't have to return it to you that'll be one less thing you have to do like the cleaning and all of that just hey okay 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 or like up the charge that way you could go and buy you some new ones you know that'll be cool too because i don't think they're that expensive like i've seen the meal prepping thing the meal prepping um totes and the containers and stuff at walmart for like no more than 10 bucks for a pack of like 20 or 30 of them so i would say oh that's a good one i would say um have them to where they either buy it from you or buy their own and bring it that way it makes your job just that much easier yeah well, they, they purchased the glass ones. I was using plastic ones, but they purchased glass ones. So it's just kind of like a really, it'd be really nice if everybody just had two batches. When they pick up their food, they're dropping off the next batch, which, because I cook all week long and just kind of freeze it. But as of right now, it's um, 
the glass containers, I think I, they were like $23.99 and, um, but it was like a pack of five. So everybody got three packs. So it's one week and maybe next month I'll be like, Hey, you should probably buy another pack, you know, another three packs just so that I'm not bombarding them with like a giant expendage on top of paying me weekly. And I always, one of um, my brother's roommates was like, he was really happy with the food, but <clears throat> was a really big guy. And he was saying, yeah, sometimes I'm still hungry. So it was like a portion size thing. And um, so one of the, uh, oh, one of the things there was like, okay, so I just need to do like larger portion sizes for yours and, and, and like make sure that those ones are going to you. Um, don't pull on that. But other than that, that's, uh, everybody's got their own, own plastics or own containers that they're, they're rotating. Are you joining a CSA? Cause I, um, do you, so CSA for those who are listening later is community supported agriculture. And I used to run a produce co-op in Houston, so I'm pretty down with it. Oh, and I want to say something about my probiotic uh, porridge in a minute. But um, so like I joined a CSA and that's been great because um, and the CSA that I go to has like a locals um, discount. So for the folks who live in the East End, hey, so but that's been great. So um, I can double up on things or, you know, like the produce is real fresh, like they just grabbed it yesterday or the day before and they always have like 9 million radishes they're trying to move. And at one point they had way too many, um, was it eggplants or squash or something? But like, I was able to like buy stuff like that was fresh and high volume and whatever. So I just want to shout out for CSAs and especially during COVID, knowing where your food comes from is a big deal. And community supported agriculture has been, it's, you know, supporting your local farmer. So just want to say for CSAs. I don't, and it may be too cold to grow anything up where you are. Like, cause you know, Houston, you can grow everything all year long. Well, you can in you know July, but other than that, you're good. So I'm not getting anything from a CSA right now. I've been I'm trying to like hunt down like a Caninos type place. Um, that doesn't exist here. Um, but I have been. I go to like five different. Or I order, or go to. It just depends on like timing. But I go to like three different, three different, sometimes five different places just, just to get the best quality deals. Um, a lot of the CSAs that are year round here are, um, um, it's so weird. They, it's like they don't, they deliver past me or in further inside the city, but not to my area. And then, like, the pickup locations are 40 minutes away. So I haven't – I know there's a bunch of – you know, there's a farmer's market twice a week, a farm that comes with their goods twice a week at the church, at the, like, entry of our neighborhood. But um, it's not – there's not a large variety. Um, so, yes, hi. Um we don't, yeah, I haven't, I haven't found that CSA niche yet that, 
will a either deliver to our area or has a variety of of options other than like here's a bunch of pumpkins um so who knows maybe eventually if we move into like a larger house maybe i'll just end up growing all the vegetables and then selling meal preps and that sounds like a lot of work actually never mind (laughs) that would be an idea right start a little commune (laughs) right i just want to um and I like how you're like thinking like, okay, you've tried out different things in your mind because right now I think the more we know where our food comes from, the better we are. So um, those of us who work in the food industry, like I want us to just keep trying to see where there could be a fit. And just because it's a no right now, doesn't mean it won't be a yes in two months from now or something like that, right? So y'all, I came up with, I'm reading this book called, um, well, it's this guy, he's kind of a nut. He's a vegan, but he's also an infectious disease uh, doctor. And so I was reading about how to survive a pandemic, which is a book that I've mentioned before, and it's a real bummer. But the thing that mostly grinds down to is factory farming is pretty brutal and um, it will end up killing tons of animals and the people who work in these uh, communities also. So I think no matter how much, you know, there's climate denier or where um, pandemic <clears throat> viruses originate from, people who want to deny that, a lot of it's factory farming. So. As that changes, I've been trying to like really, uh, I started following this guy, Dr. Greiger, and uh, and he has bananas. Okay, I just want to say that. But he had this probiotic or prebiotic porridge ratio that he created that he calls Brol because it was buckwheat and rye berries and oat groats and lentils which sounds terrible. And so, um, and he just did it one to one to one, you know, I was like, this isn't terrible. So I made it gluten-free. So I used, um, I used sorghum, oat groats, amaranth and lentils, black caviar lentils. And I mixed it up two parts oats to one to everything else. And so then I've been making it. And the idea is that it feeds, uh, it's a prebiotic porridge. So it feeds these prebiotics that turn into probiotics in your colon, right? So because my sister is the person that I do everything to, even when, <laughs> you know, like, you just don't want to eat anything over here, because I'll hand you stuff that's unproven. But like, how am I gonna get my research here, right? Like, even my dad, before I hand him something, he's like, is this gonna make me feel sick or go big potty? And I'm like, what? And my daughter was like, Rowan, come on, we all know. I was like, shit, okay. But anyway, I've been making this prebiotic porridge. And it's really done a number on my sister's body. She's going from like an apple shape to a pear. And it's really softening the adipose tissue on her belly. And, um, and so I've been doing that to her and then I've been writing it up and reading it and like creating like a, I'm calling it a, a preggers porridge. So, cause I want my pregnant patients to, to eat it. So, and my friend Pat Greer, she's a raw food chef. So she's going to get it for me and we're tweaking the recipe, like putting some sea salt in there with trace minerals and some other stuff, but it's great because you can make it either savory or sweet and you can do it overnight or you can throw in the instant pot and get it done in 20 minutes. But if you make a big batch of it and then you just heat some up every day with some chopped apples and some nuts and some soy milk or whatever on top of it, but it really stabilizes blood sugar too. And it kind of feeds these, uh, these positive bacteria in your colon. So you're really optimizing nutrition. And at the same time, it's just really been kind of neat to play with this. So Pat's gonna make it for me and I'm trying to get it in some stores locally, like the co-op that I spoke of that take WIC so I can tell my patients 
because I work at a Medicaid-funded birth center, like they can go with their WIC if they've gone on WIC and get this porridge, right? And it's good for them. It's good for their kids. Like, like it's and it's easy to do, right? Because making breakfast is a big fucking drag. Well, cooking in general is a big fucking drag unless you're Maggie. So having something that you can like, this is what we do every morning, you know. And if you don't like sweet breakfast stuff with fruit, you can throw an avocado on it and some pesto or, you know, leftover greens from yesterday or whatever you want to do or saute an onion. So I've been working on this and I'm pretty pumped about it because. Because I do, I do like nutrition and food, and I do think, like my patients are all tired of hearing me talk about produce and protein, because that's what I want them to eat every day is produce and protein, and they're like, what? <laughs> produce and protein. So anyway, you heard it here first. My Pregger's uh, porridge, which I'm calling a, a prebiotic porridge, because I think it's not just good for pregnant and postpartum people, but it's also good for everybody. So that's my like little project that I'm working on. I think I sent you the recipe, didn't I, Maggie? Yeah, and a Dropbox thing. Yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to um, test it out as soon as my refrigerator is empty and I go grocery shopping again. Cool. Again, you can make it overnight or you can just throw in the Instant Pot on the porridge ratio. But I like overnight because you can do it for like five hours and it just stays warm. And then it just kind of has this like good consistency. And the consistency is great, but it doesn't taste like much. So that's why you have to throw your extra stuff in it. But anyway. And the lentils in it and the amaranth are a protein that, but they're a slow release. And I've been throwing chia seeds in it too, because those are hydrating. So anyway, just options, but I'm working on that right now. All right, my people. Well, it's 1159. Does anybody have a burning desire? That's what we say in 12 step. Does anybody have a burning desire? Anything they need to get off their chest? I have a quick question. So Blake just got home um, like 10 minutes ago and said that everyone at his work got sent home because someone that he works in very close proximity to um, got sent to the hospital because he's showing all the symptoms of COVID. And, but the biggest one is he's um, not able to breathe. And so, okay, so they're waiting on a COVID test back from him right now. But I think from what I understand, they're, they're not having anyone else come back to work until the COVID test comes back, uh, hopefully negative. Um, how, how soon should Blake get a COVID test if he was next to him working yesterday and his symptoms, the other guy's symptoms were showing yesterday? He can go today, he can go tomorrow, but he should isolate away from you guys just in case. Okay. Um, shit. <laughs> God. All right. I just didn't know if like today would be too soon or if there was like a waiting period or I don't, I don't know. Here you, it's like almost impossible to get a test right now. Um, so have him call whatever insurance company and make an appointment. I don't know if they're still doing drive through testing in Houston. They're not doing any of that stuff up here. You have to make an appointment with an ER or a med center in order to get, um, results but i would find out where he can go get tested and make him wear a mask and stay away from him and tell him you love him from a distance and lock him in the bathroom or room or somewhere where you can change the sheets so that things are able to be cleaned another tip is what uh, world health organization is saying to do is if you're they're in the bedroom uh close the door open a window so that everything's going out the window and circulating out of the house versus back into your house. Okay. Thank you. 
I know that uh, Minute Maid has drive-through testing. Okay, um, I'm pretty sure there's one out here in KD2. I'm pretty sure that it's still open and they're still doing it. But yeah, I lit. I mean, Gemma just got her COVID test done today at a drive-through at Texas Children's. Um, so fuck, <sighs> this shit sucks. Mm -hmm. That sucks. Having like take a shower and all that stuff too. I really feel for you. I really do because you, your daughter and ooh, I really feel for you. I think maybe put them two in the same room if they both come back positive. Just if yeah, put them in the same room that way. You know, he can take care of her. They you know that way you don't spread it to your other kids because you're taking care of her. Um, and my other kids are supposed to be going to their dad's tonight. So I'll have to talk to him about it because he has other kids over there and fuck, fuck. It just sucks. I can't, sometimes I still can't even believe the shit is going on. I have everybody mask up now. It's not, I mean, I don't know the living situation that you have, but if the kids have been like in your daughter's face a lot, is she showing symptoms or you thought it was just a cold she she definitely has a um double ear infection she's been coughing lots of congestion she had a fever at one point but it went away um yeah i would i i would just um i would have like lock himself in a room and if he comes out he has to wear a mask if he's going to the bathroom or anything, yeah. any sort of dishes or stuff that go in can get by paper plates and have him use paper plates for the week until he can go get tested and has a negative result. Because if one of your kids yeah. picks up the cup or something, there you go. So um, I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. You've got this. You are strong and beautiful and... You you got this. And handle this. It's gonna be it's gonna be fine. Thank you. And ceiling fans on everywhere too, right? Ceiling fans on, windows open. Okay. Masks on everybody. Lots of hand washing. Positive vibrations. Play some good music. Try not to devolve. Palo Santo the shit out of your house. <laughs> okay. okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, this conversation will be continued over in our Facebook group until I move us over onto something else. And um, unmute yourselves. We love each other. We're here as a group. Love you guys. Thank you for today. Bye, it was beautiful to love see your you. faces. See you later. Yes, my I was glad to see y'all today. Are you wanting to join in the conversation but keep missing us live? Then sign up for text reminders at www.preggers.rocks. That's www.preggers.rocks, and we'll see you Tuesday at 11 a.m. Central Time.